Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one best-selling book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And if you're new to my podcast, welcome, welcome. I'd love to give you my free gift, The Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, The Three Ways of Navigating Your Way to More Peace, Prosperity, and Personal Power. And you can get that at SensitiveSoulGuide.com. Again, that's SensitiveSoulGuide, all one word. Com. And today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing Nancy Picard. Now, you know, there's so many people out there who are questioning, how come I'm not living life to the fullest? I'm, you know, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. There are a lot of disempowering beliefs that we have, and I certainly had my you know, bucket of them and continue to find some more subtle ones over time that I can heal And so these kinds of things can keep us stuck. Nancy is a master integrative life coach that helps listeners, uh, our listeners, uncover their sabotaging beliefs buried in their subconscious so they can free themselves of their hold and move beyond their fears to live their most inspired lives. So we're going to be talking a bit about how to uncover your disempowering beliefs, how to use fear as a motivating force for change. I love that, which is one of the reasons why I have Nancy on the show, because people say, oh, fear is bad, fear is bad. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that, um, how to set and maintain healthy boundaries. Again, another topic near and dear to my community's heart, how to make yourself a priority and how to get out of autopilot and live in the present moment and why that's important. So before we uh, say hi to Nancy, let me share a little bit more about Nancy. She is a certified integrative coach. She is certified as a breakthrough shadow coach, empowered parent, healing your heart, leadership, holistic lifestyle, and boundary and reinvention coach. She's the author of the international bestseller bigger, better, braver, conquer your fears, embrace your courage, transform your life. Prior to her work as a coach, she owned and operated a personal training gym called Tight Ends. I love that. Um, She knows what it takes to help people achieve big goals. She's focused on health and wellness for almost 20 years. Her path towards coach uh, was a natural evolution. Uh, She has a Bachelor of Science in Psychology and uh, an MS in Education, and she lives by example. In 2017, she traveled alone in Thailand and Vietnam and undertook her biggest challenge, climbing Kilimanjaro at the age of 61. Woohoo! Coaching others to step out of their fear into bigger versions of themselves is her passion. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you. That was so much to say. <laughs> well, you know, we want to tell folks, you know, what 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 they're going to be dealing with, and it's going to be really fun. <laughs> um, so, Nancy, uh, well, you know, not everybody says or has on their CV, I've climbed Kilimanjaro, <laughs> and certainly not at the age of 61. So give us a little backdrop of, you know, how you became who you are. What were you like growing up? What challenges did you have? And how did you become so brave? Hmm, interesting. Okay, so thank you. Good question. I had a great childhood. I had a really normal childhood, which as a life coach, I certainly have come to know that that's, I'm more in the minority than the majority. Uh-huh. I'm very grateful for that. I was the third girl, so I was the baby. I was also the son my father never got. <laughs> so I'm definitely the jock in the family. And um, that, you know, that's actually worked for me all my life. But Great. that's part of why that happened. And um, I got married right out of college, and I think I finished my master's and gave birth to my first child like a month later. So I was basically a stay-at-home mom until I started teaching 
nursery school. That's like all I really was doing at the time with my master's. And then um, I was married 26 years and I had a, a marvelous uh, marriage for 25 years. And then it fell apart. My ex-husband had a huge you know, really normal midlife crisis. I don't mm. want to grow old. This life is not working for me. Mm. And he ended up marrying somebody two years older than my son. So huh. um, it was very difficult for me. I became the victim in my story. My little, you know, happily ever after wonderful life fell apart and so did I. I mm. did not have any of the tools that I have today. And... Um, I moved forward in my life as best I could, and actually what happened is I found myself um, back in another really good relationship, and we were engaged and living together. We broke up, and I realized, holy, this can't just be me, right? It's like it can't just be them, actually. I can't just be meeting, although I was. Both of those men were very emotionally broken men and I was the fixer, right? That Aha. was my that was who I am. Oh, don't worry, I can fix you. I can make you happy. You know, I can be all of that. And so the journey for me, to be honest with you, started mainly after that breakup because up until then I really put it all on my ex husband's midlife crisis and that was a whole long story on why psychologically why that happened to him. And, but when it happened to me again, I knew that there was more from the universe that I wasn't learning and that I needed to learn it because I really didn't want my heart broken a third time. And um, Makes sense. So, yeah. So I started with a coach and immediately, actually the first book I read was Spiritual Divorce and by Debbie Ford. And so I knew right then and there I was going to, get myself a Debbie Ford coach, and I was going to become a Debbie Ford coach. Because I actually hadn't worked in nine years. I closed my gym. I, I sold my home. I moved to Colorado, and I just literally played for nine years because I had this divorcing mindset that if I was still married, I'd be traveling around the world and doing everything just like my ex-husband was doing. And so I, that's all I wanted to do. And after nine years... I realized I had so many more gifts to give. I was not utilizing myself. I was not living my best dream. Even if I didn't know what my best dream was, I knew it needed to be more than, you know, exercising three times a day all day long. And so <laughs> I actually started getting coached, and then I started to become a coach, and Literally, that was 10 years ago. I've become a master coach. I have um, been a mentor for uh, the Ford Institute and for 11 Life Coaching, who um, is where I've been getting my last few certifications. I'm in, I'm always, I have a growth mindset, so I am always, always, always um, getting certified in something new. I actually just finished just finishing with David Kessler on being a grief facilitator, and mm. I've just started a two-and-a-half-year program with Terry Real, who I don't, I don't know if you know who that <clears> is, but he is amazing, relationship and marriage counselor, amazing. Um, so, I mean, I, I want to plug my book and your book, but his books are amazing, so <laughs> they really are. 
that's fantastic. Uh, that basically gets me, I think that brings me up to Kilimanjaro at least. And um, I was turning 60, and it seemed like a disgusting number at the time. Now it's young because I'm definitely beyond 60. And um, I wanted to do something that would mark that I still could do good things and big things mm-hmm. and that I had it going on. And so climbing Kilimanjaro felt like that would serve the purpose. And I had had a shadow belief, which you know I know we'll get into, but on being, a, I wasn't safe alone. And so part oh. of my uncovering of that belief was to prove to myself how really safe alone I was. And that began that year of going to Vietnam and, and going to Thailand and doing trips by myself and then joining a group that I didn't really train with and know, but that I went and did uh, team and training for leukemia for climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And uh, that's what I did at 60. It oh, actually took place. That's I was awesome. 61. Yeah. That's totally awesome. Yeah, that's very inspiring. Very, very inspiring. Thank you for Thank you for sharing that. And the funny thing is, is when you were sharing your story, I was thinking about, you know, like you were saying, like exercising three hours a day or, you know, or three times a day and, and, and traveling around. And I think a lot of people would, you know, judge that and go, well, that's the life, right? Like that's the greatest right. thing um, because they haven't done it before. And here you are having done it or were doing it and you felt there's something else. There's something else. And I think that's very, very interesting um, that you went through, you know, that story. Well, you know, first of all, I am, I'm an over-exerciser, and it's, got, it's, it's brought me the illness twice. And so I do have to be really careful, because I exercise seven days a week, to just balance how much I work out. And I mm-hmm. also, I understand that, you know, for the majority of the world, I'm the opposite of them. You know, they can't get right. off the couch, I can't get on the couch. <laughs> so um, I get that that it sounds like it's so weird, but it was more about um, I I I'd lived my life a certain way, and as long as it worked, it was great. But once it didn't work anymore, I kept trying to fix that picture. I kept mm. trying to think that that old paradigm was the only paradigm. Mm-hmm. It's not true. I mean, we are, we could have a zillion different careers and lives and loves along the way, and we are never too old for any of those, and as long as we continue to stay open to opportunities and say yes and don't live by fear or our shadow beliefs, um, I, I just don't, I don't see my, my life ever coming to a, a dull, slow, you know, <laughs> anything it's just not it's not who I am I'm always looking for the next thing and learning the next thing and create you know morphing into a bigger better braver version of myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that there's you know what one of my friends uh, said uh, back then now this was a shadow uh, side of me uh, that I'll share, but uh, he said um, we're we're uh, you know visiting with, with each other, and I said something to the effect of wasn't the point of life being better, you know, like being better than you were before. And he looks at me with a very compassionate look, and he says, "What's wrong with you right now?" Right. And it paused me. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and so I think what what it was is the shadow was like you're not good enough. 
Right. You're not good enough, so therefore you have to keep going, going, like building and getting one certification after another and things like that. And that was my motto, you know, before. It's like I have to be better, I have to be better, I have to serve, I have to be better. But it was a shadow piece of me. And now looking on the outside in, people go, well, let's change. <laughs> Can't really tell, you know, because, I mean, I literally just got a yoga trapeze certification. And I'm like, what was I thinking? But, I, you know, I, what it was was I realized I really wanted to know the material, you right. know. To understand right. it from that point of view, not because I plan on teaching. I goodness knows I, I don't have time in my schedule for that. But to really, because I love to learn, and I, that's what I'm hearing for you, Nancy, is, is that you love to learn, you love to evolve, you love to grow, and you're not doing it because it's a shadow part of you that you're not enough, and therefore you have to keep right. getting It's not about not being enough. As a matter of fact, I am enough. <laughs> right. Um, I'm whole by myself, and... If you ask me what was the biggest change in my life, my entire life I thought I was whole because I was half of a whole. Mm. And so I was very other-referenced. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. After 26 years when my husband no longer saw me as this like amazing human being, I stopped seeing myself as an amazing human being. Oh, right. And so I kept seeing myself through the eyes of other people and even... All the men I dated after my husband who would tell me, oh, my God, you're, the, you're gorgeous. You're such an athlete. You're this, you're that. You're so smart. I would think, oh, you're so dumb. Like, you don't even know me. Like, because, mm. because if my husband didn't want me, then when mm. the man did want me, I would think that they weren't, you know, it's like you don't want to belong to any group that wants you. <laughs> that kind of a thing. And so my evolution was to really believe in the integrity of me and how whole I was and how accomplished I am and what a good mom and a good grandma and a partner and like all the things that are important to me, I stay in integrity with. And so I feel so good about myself and that's the road you want everyone to be on. It's not about how many certifications you have. It's not about more, more, more. Um, bigger, better, braver is not about acquiring more anything. It's not about acquiring more material things or acquiring more accomplishments or acquiring more certifications. It's about living every day, being able to say, yes, yes, I can do this. Yes, I, I, I'm afraid of that, and so I must do it. That's the motto. Anything I'm afraid to do, I know I have to do because that's where the evolution of my growth stands, right there. That thing that I'm afraid to do, I will be exactly who I think I'm not big enough to be the moment I step in and do it. Mm. And that's what I want everyone to know and learn. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's definitely it can be very triggering for people, right? They, they know intellectually, uh, you know, growth is at the edge of your comfort zone and, you know, all these right. uh, memes that they see, you know, floating around on Facebook and they're, oh, that's a good one, right? But really when it comes down to it, our everyday lives, um, there are a lot of things that make us uncomfortable. There's a lot of things um, that yeah. we and don't want. And most of comes down <laughs> to us not being enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm not telling people to walk down a dark alley in a bad neighborhood at 2 o'clock in the morning because you can try something you're afraid of. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that let's look at what your fear is trying to tell you 
And if it's imposter syndrome, or I'm not good enough, or fear of success, or fear of failure, or fear of looking stupid, or fear of not being enough, if those are your fears, then you need to do the thing you're afraid to do. Because not having that fear is on the other side. Mm, right. So, so there is, in some ways, you know, a healthy, if you will, uh, fear in terms of, well, you know, be smart about things. Uh, like you said, don't walk down necessarily, you know, just walk down a dark alley in a seedy part of the neighborhood just because you fear it, you know. Uh, but uh, really those, those parts that would uh, hold us back from being who we truly are are, are really, uh, you know, growth, uh, our, our true selves, if you will, and uh, expanding our mission and what we're here to, to be and do. Um, those fears are something that we can address and, um, and must. And must address, must, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a really funny story, but I was, I had, it's a long story and why it had to happen, but I ended up having to take my granddaughter last week on a roller coaster ride in the woods in Aspen because her baby brother had just woken up and he was hysterical. And so her, so the mom had to come down and I had to go up, even though everyone knows I'm afraid of them. I don't like them. I don't ever want to do them. I haven't done them since I was a little kid. And now <laughs> here I am. I'm on this roller coaster with my eight-year-old who's in the whole way up. She's saying to me, Nana, I'm telling you right now, I only want to go fast. I don't like slow. It will not be fun for me. I want to go fast. And I'm saying to her, Manola, I, I hate roller coasters. I'm afraid of them. I don't even want to be doing this. I'm only doing it because Kidra was crying. She's like, nah, <laughs> you can squeeze me as hard as you want, but Aww. you must go fast. You will ruin it for me. And then she said, we've all been wearing bigger, better, braver hats all week, Nana. You have got to be bigger, better, braver. Oh, I don't know. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. I did it. I was shaking like a leaf. Um, And so, but I did do it. But that's not even the kind of bigger, better, braver I'm talking about, although it is really good to do all those things. Um, I do try to do anything I'm afraid of because I just, I don't need to live my life afraid. Right, right. And and that, that is like you know, so billions probably of, of people of condition to be is uh, fear is bad, so move away from fear and anything that causes fear. Yeah, and that's so not true. Mm. That's so not true. I, I wonder when people have fear of success or fear of failure or fear of looking stupid or shame around not being enough, don't they, why don't they feel that way be, just from not doing the things that they really know they want to do? Why doesn't that cause enough shame in them or disappointment in them that they will just do the thing they're afraid to do? Mm-hmm. Well, some people, they, yeah, it does get to that point for sure. Um, and I, I'll give you a silly uh, example. Is like I had very negative money beliefs. You know, we're going to talk about the, some of this disempowering beliefs, and you, you shared a whole bunch already. We'll go deeper into that. But I had a disempowering belief that, you know, network marketing is bad. So I, you know, my my mom was like an Amway victim. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I had this disempowering belief. So when I started with this one company because I really liked their product, I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not selling this. I'm not telling anybody. 
You know what I mean? I'm not, you know, I'm just going to use it for myself. So I started getting really amazing, you know, changes and, and uh, for myself. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if this would be helpful for my patients. So I was like literally almost secretive about it and right. going, okay. I'm like saying to one patient, you know, okay, we've tried diet. We've tried, you you know, having to stop you know, eating sugar and chocolate, but it's not helping. And we're trying to get you to walk every day just a little bit, but it's not happening. So I, I just want let's just do something different. Let me, let me put these, you know, phototherapy energy patches on you and let's see if it makes a difference, right? So two weeks he comes back, he's walking every day, he quits sugar and, you know, chocolate. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it, it was really a learning thing for me because I had all these beliefs about how bad it was, it wasn't good. And then what happened was I was like, wait a second, if this is just beneficial, maybe it's beneficial for other people. And then who am I to keep it secret? Right when I am here to help people, empower people to be better and, and be healthier, right. this is actually unethical, actually, for me right. to keep it a secret. So that was like one of those things. It was a huge thing for me at the time to really shift into that because I had so much borrowed trauma from my mom, you know, about Amway and her friends and all that kind of well, stuff. That's the thing. We have these shadow beliefs and actually as children, the beliefs are formed to keep us safe. So mm -hmm. as a child, you watched your mom lose money and you unconsciously said, I will never be that. Right. But as an adult, those same beliefs keep us small. So And broke. And broke. Exactly. <laughs> and so yes, and we if that's a whole other podcast, but we all have money beliefs. We all oh, yeah. have money beliefs from our parents who got them from their parents. So basically our money beliefs are over 100 years old. Oh, yeah. And we're believing them, and they have nothing to do with us. They come from a culture that's probably not even in this country. And um, so, but the thing is, your example was a perfect example of how it was meant to keep you safe, and it did. But now as an adult, it kept you small. Uh -huh. You could have been... I mean, I understand you don't want to be selling the product just to sell the product, but like when you love the product and you see how much it works and you could also be making money from it, you are actually, your money story and that belief was keeping you small and poor. Right. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember going to the Millionaire Mind weekend with T.R. Becker. I had basically no money, so I had to like put it on a credit card. Thankfully, MDs can get you know credit cards with decent right. you know, amounts of credit. And, uh, and that was uh, talking about these beliefs and all these different money beliefs. And I just realized after coming back from that three-day event, uh, which was free, by the way, um, the three-day event, I was like, I'm sitting on a gold mine. What the heck am I doing? Right? Here I am saying, I don't have money. I don't have money. Well, I have an opportunity to make money and help a lot of people. So why am I not, you know, doing this? And, and exactly. there was more beliefs to uncover, more beliefs to change and really face that fear. So, and, you know, now 17 years later, um, it's, you know, really made a huge difference in my life and others. So, yeah. That's, this is <laughs> That's a perfect example. And we, I mean, we all have money stories and actually our self-worth is totally tied in mm. to our net worth. And, and I don't even mean it in the way that like, well, if you don't have a lot of money, you don't feel good about yourself. But if you don't have a high sense of self-worth, then you don't ask for what you deserve. You don't right. go after what you want. You don't 
charge for your work, you wear blinders on your money and your credit and your debt and you don't look at it, and that's all around self-worth. So, so self-worth and net worth are really entwined. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, you know, if somebody is open to going, okay, well, my life isn't exactly the way I want it, how do I uncover my disempowering beliefs and what do I do with the fear? You know, what do I do with the fear? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the best thing to do is get yourself a shadow coach because that's what we do. I help my clients, regardless of why they come to me, uncover what's keeping them stuck, uncover what's keeping them unhappy, uncover what's keeping them, you know, with leaky boundaries or boundary lists because if your voice doesn't matter and your needs don't matter, mm. you have to everyone to be loved and you have to be perfect to be safe and you have to control everything to be safe, right. that will all keep you from making yourself a priority and setting healthy boundaries and recognizing that selfish is not a bad word and that selfless is not a good word and they're on the same spectrum. You need to balance the two. But if you don't uncover those things, then you it's like you can knock your head against the wall all day long thinking you're going to be something different and you're not. It's just not going to happen. It's in your subconscious. You're not aware of it. And it rules your operating system. It tells you what you can and cannot do. It attracts people and situations into your life to prove your limitations. Uh -huh, because uh -huh. our ego wants to be right. So yep. if you think you're not good enough, then you only attract other people who are like low lowlifes and are not really good enough themselves or because that's all you think you deserve. Or you attract people who make you feel like you're unworthy so that you get to say, see, look, look how unworthy I am. I'm right. Mm -hmm. So it's all of this, go, go, you know, it, 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 each level goes on, on the next. And so my book actually does help people do the same internal processes that I take my clients through so they can start with the book that was really why I did it so that not everyone can afford a coach even though I really think that it's money well spent for you because it helps you learn to stay in integrity it helps you uncover the things that are blocking you it helps you have a cheerleader who you're going to have to report back next week that you did the thing you said you were going to do I mean there's so accountability yeah there's so many gifts in having in, in working with a coach and short term you know coaches aren't like therapists you don't have to do it forever um, but you can also start by just saying to yourself, okay, what I say I want is X, but what I'm experiencing is Y. So what I say I want is to lose 20 pounds, but what I'm experiencing is not being able to say no to dessert or to alcohol or, you know, what I'm experiencing is I have every excuse in the world for not exercising. So I say I want something, but everything I'm experiencing is actually not bringing me there. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at, okay, so what am I more committed to? Because I say I'm committed to losing weight, but I'm actually more committed to something else, and that's my first commitment, and that's the commitment that's in my subconscious, and that's the commitment I have to change. Ah. But because... 
you know, let's say, let's say you say, you know, I think I'm committed to being in a long-term relationship, but what I'm experiencing is breaking up with every guy before they can break up with me. Uh-huh. So what you're really more committed to is keeping your heart safe. Right. You don't have an open heart. You are not willing to be vulnerable. And therefore, you say you want this, but you're never going to get it because you're more committed to keeping your heart safe. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful uh, example and very common. <laughs> very I think. Common. Yeah, that we close our hearts because it's, it's, it's really scary uh, to open. Because it's safer. It's right, because safer. pain is, is not yeah. comfortable and nobody wants to experience pain. Right. So right. we try to avoid it. Right. But then you live so small. I mean, I actually, the clients that I have that are so fearful and only make changes when they're actually in relationship with coaching. And then if I don't see them for a year, they go right back to their their smaller ways. Those are because those people in particular are so living in their fears that if they're not being held accountable by somebody else, they they close back up and they can't do it. And it depresses them, but they still can't do it. Mm. So sometimes, you know, the coaching may be uh, a little longer for certain folks or with different people or having uh, having an ongoing accountability partner, which I highly recommend. I've, I've been meeting with this woman who we found each other online during, you know, in one of these groups, and I've never met her. You know, and right. it's been over ten years. We meet every Monday, and we, you know, wow. she's like a farm. She's like a farmer, right? <laughs> like I mean, completely different, you know, line of business. Um, and we just keep accountable to each other. We don't coach each other per se, you know, but we just keep accountable. And that's great because I, I look on my list Monday, and I'm like, oh boy, I said I was going to do this, this, this. So sometimes I'll do it last minute, and I'll be like, hey, Sandy, <laughs> I got two out of the three commitments done. Um, uh, yeah, so so accountability is, is really it's huge. Key. It's really key. And yes, if you're not going to get a coach, get an accountability partner. I actually even recommend people who are going to get my book that they read it with a, with an accountability partner, Ooh, nice. and so that they do each they do each chapter to you know the same week, and they hold each other accountable, and that actually will get the job done. Mm, yeah, yeah, that that's great. Um, now, you also say that we can use fear as a motivating force for change, that it's, you know, fear is not necessarily good or bad. Um, so can you give us some examples of, of how that would work? Well, yeah, exactly. So um, in my own life, I was asked to build a course for this company called Gen Connect You. And Gen Connect You is an online platform for women entrepreneurs. And they asked me if I would, like, take my Bigger, Better, Braver course, but but make it really for women and for business and how to live bigger, better, braver and set healthy boundaries and all of these things in this course. And, of course, my first reaction, well, my very first reaction was yes, of course. And then my next ten reactions were, oh, I don't know, I think they think I'm bigger than I am, you know, they think I'm more than I am, I'm not all this, blah, blah, blah. Well, I knew that the only thing that was keeping me from being that was putting in the work and making the course. And then I was going to be somebody who had a course on that platform, and I now am that. Yeah. So that's a perfect example. 
And now I just, I was saying before that I signed up for this two and a half year relationship and marriage. There, you know, you'll, if you're a therapist going in, your therapist coming out. If you're a coach going in, it's the same course, but, you know, you, your title is either, you know, real relational um, relationship coach or therapist. Anyway, so I looked over the whole two and a half years worth of work and I definitely got overwhelmed like, oh my God, I don't know. I usually work one-on-one. -on -one. I don't do as much work with couples. And if I do, I actually work with each couple separate. This is a whole new thing. And my first reaction was, oh, yeah, I don't know, does my brain still work that way? You know, can <laughs> I learn all this stuff? And, of course, now I'm in it. I love it. Mm. I, 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 I would I, – there's no going back. I don't want to go back. It's energizing me. I feel amazing about it. I'm excited about it. And if I had let fear or any of my imposter thoughts keep me down, I wouldn't be doing it. And so using fear as a motivating force for change is the more you do it, the more you actually recognize that it's, it's that, that feeling of fear is excitement. It's a good fear. Yeah, feeling excited and ready. <laughs> yeah, it's like Bruce Springsteen throws up before every concert his entire life. And yet, so if he didn't throw up, he wouldn't be ready. <laughs> it's, it's that. Yeah. That's so neat. That is so neat. Um, now, a lot of the people listening in, Nancy, are who I call sensitive souls. So they're very empathic. They're very loving. They, they feel into others and have great empathy. And one of the biggest, quote unquote, problems that a sensitive souls have is maintaining healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the disempowering beliefs that are causing us to have difficulty having healthy boundaries? I think more women than men mm -hmm. think that love and life means taking care of everybody else and putting everybody before themselves. Mm -hmm. And or they have a belief that their voice doesn't matter. You know, you grew up and you've got five older siblings and you're the youngest and nobody ever asks your opinion. <laughs> nobody wants your opinion. Nobody thinks you actually have an opinion and you grow up thinking my voice doesn't matter. My opinion mm -hmm. doesn't matter. My needs don't matter. You could grow up with a narcissistic parent and where your needs didn't matter. Right. And you grew up with the belief that my needs will never be taken care of or I'm the only one that will take care of me or my needs will never be met. Any of those beliefs, then you don't ask for what you need. You don't even know what you need. And, you know, women think, oh, if he loved me, he'd know what I want. Well, <laughs> that's such bull, right? <laughs> you don't even know what you want. How is he going to know what you exactly. want? So you have to learn to make yourself a priority and believe that your needs are a priority. And people who are conflict avoiders, you know, which uh -huh, I think uh -huh. happens with a lot of empathetic people and very sensitive people. They don't want yeah. to rock the boat. They don't want right. trouble. Well, I think that the biggest misnomer is that people who are conflict avoiders, I am here to tell you, you cause conflict. You don't say what the truth is. You don't uh -huh. say what's on your mind. 
you keep it in and in and in until all of a sudden, like a beach ball that's under the water, it comes flying out sideways and you explode in the most inappropriate way because what you're responding to is not the issue. It was the buildup. And uh -huh. so you exploded for something that didn't need an explosion. That's what conflict avoiders do. They eventually explode. Why aren't my needs being met? Why is it always about you? I can't handle this. This is too much energy. You're zapping my energy, blah, 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 right? All of that comes from not actually knowing what you want and being able and willing to speak your truth because you're worthy of having your needs met and your truth spoken. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I used to have arguments with my ex-husband. Of course, he didn't know there was an argument. So <laughs> six months later, he'd be like, are you, are you mad at me? And mom would like, uh, yeah, for the last six weeks. Right. He was like, what? Right. I had no idea. I'm like, I'm thinking, you have a thick skull, buddy. You know, because I'm an empath, right? So I'm thinking yeah. he should know. <laughs> yeah, and men and women are so different because, you know, as a coach, I'll say, all right, I know how to do this. And I'll say to my partner, um, I really want to talk to you about something. When would be a good time? Or why don't you think about it and get back to me about what, when a good time would be, right? Mm -hmm. Well, a whole week goes by. And <laughs> a whole week goes by, and for seven days I'm thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> How do you not bring it up? And I'm getting madder and madder because I already did the big thing. I already said I want to talk about something. I already was vulnerable. I already put it out there. And seven mm. days go by, and I don't hear from him. And when I finally say to him, how did you never get back to me? He's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I forgot all about it. <laughs> and I'll say to him, all right, just so you know that if I tell you I want to talk about something, I never forget it. I will be thinking about it every day until you actually bring it back up to me. Mm. And so you need to be cognizant of that. And, and next time I say to you I want to talk, you're going to have to give me a time right then and there. Uh -huh. Because you can't be, you know, you, you forget. It's not important enough for you, and yet it's very important to me. So men and women are just different. Yeah, the whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> so I don't know who's from where, but we are not from the same place. Right, right. The, the communication is, is uh, very, very, uh, yeah. yeah, very, very difficult sometimes. And, uh, and like you said before, the conflict avoiders definitely I was one of those and I, I would you know explode although my version of explosion was still very muted because I'd shut my heart down so long ago prior to that um, that it was just always stress day in and day out and never understanding that it was just like a, a bubbling keg of bleh underneath uh, just waiting for resolution but the resolution never came because I never felt good about myself right I didn't think that uh, yeah I didn't understand healthy boundaries at all I would just say yes because and here's the thing Nancy a lot of our people you know read spiritual books and things like that and they hear it's you know it's better to give than to receive they hear things like right. um, the whole purpose of life is to serve and give and serve and give and serve and I'm like uh, I'm not sure they're really talking about my people. Seriously. Yeah. 
because they're over giving. Uh huh. Yeah, that's not what you want. You don't. You don't want to be here. Listen. Let's just talk about responsibility for a second. There's only a, there's a hundred percent responsibility, and if you overtake responsibility for somebody else, mm -hmm. then number one, you're robbing them, and they're undertaking responsibility for themselves. So you're not letting them be resilient. You're not helping them learn the gifts that they're supposed to be learning. And you are undertaking responsibility for your own life because you've been so busy on the other side of the street taking over responsibility for somebody else's life. So mm. if you're an overdoer and an overgiver and an overpleaser, you are undergiving and underpleasing and underdoing for yourself. There's no way about it. There's only 100% of all of that. And when you overdo for somebody else, you underdo for yourself. Oh yeah, I like how you said that. Math. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, you know, in our human bodies, there's a finite energy, if you will. I mean, we can produce more for sure, but if we don't take care of ourselves, that energy goes exactly. right, leaks out. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's all about self-care, by the way. Well, this is really tough for moms, especially yeah. single moms, especially for moms with little children and things like that. They right. feel like, and I haven't had my own children this lifetime, so. I'm not one to speak about it very well, but they feel like they have to, right? They have to put out, if you will, to like, like exhaust themselves for their family. Um, and I know that if they're, you know, caring for themselves or feeling good about themselves, they are repleted of their energy. And yes, sometimes you have to stay up to 3 a.m. because the, the three-year-old's vomiting, right? I get that. Um, but that, that, that it, it becomes kind of like this downward spiral of giving, 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 and then, oh, when they're, you know, when they're 10, I'll take care of better, better care of myself. Exactly. Oh, when they're 15, I'll take care. Well, when they go to college, right? And then, you know, the child leaves and they're like, who am I? Right, exactly. But also, I think that, well, I mean, listen, I, I'm a grandmother already, so I've already been that exhausted mom Thing. Yeah, and, maybe you can speak from your personal and, experience because I can't. Yeah. And I was being an exhausted grandma because I oh, I was trying so hard to be everything to everybody, right? Mm. And um, what happens is that you end up being nothing to anybody when you do all that. So I have learned to make myself a priority so that I have more left over to give. If you just give and give and give, you be, you, you're an empty vessel, and then you actually, you're running on fumes. You're not really giving anybody the best of you. So to take one hour a day and meditate, take a hot bath, go for a run, get on the phone with a girlfriend, do something totally for you, that's how you fill your cup back up. And that's a way better filled cup than just running on empty fumes. Mm -hmm. That's great. I had one mom one time. She was quite, um, um, I thought that was a great idea. She said, you know, I actually don't need that much time. <laughs> what she realized was that she was just go, 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 go for everybody else all day. So one of the kind of the mini interventions that she tried out, which worked like a charm apparently, because uh, I think, it, I, I'm not sure it was my idea or her idea. Anyway, but she, she put a sign on the door. And she would take a 20-minute bath or something like that. Right. And it was like, unless the house is going to fall down and there is a fire, I will not answer you. <laughs> this is mom time. And she said, 
just so I can be with you, really be fully present, right? Be happy mom. Do you want a happy mom or do you want a frustrated mom? Oh, I want a happy mom. Okay, so this is how we get a happy mom. <laughs> this is mom needs to recharge, da, da, da. And, and you know what? She said it really worked well. You know, they, they, they learned. I mean, there was a couple of snafus, but they learned over time, oh, don't disturb mom during this time. This is her recharge time. And then we get mom after. Woohoo! And I thought, wow, that was, that was pretty brilliant. <laughs> Whoever thought of that. Oh, it is great, right? It, she, she definitely learned to take care of herself, and that's what it's all about. It's really all about taking the moment, taking a half hour, taking an hour, taking an afternoon, making yourself a priority. And if you think you can't fit it in, then look at your calendar and make it like it's an appointment. And fill mm -hmm. in when it is. Oh, yeah. I got to do that. <laughs> I got to do it, yeah. I'm a big believer in anything that's on your to-do list belongs on your calendar in a specific time and date. Mm. And then when you get to that date and time, if for whatever reason you can't do it, which most of the time you can because it's actually an appointment in your calendar, but let's right. just you can't, you have to move it to a different time. Uh, so there. It gets done. You know. Yes. Sometimes yes. I'll have a client and they'll say to me, well, you know, I, I didn't exercise because I already got to 10 o'clock and I, I hadn't done it yet. I said, well, and, I, and then it will keep me awake. I said, well, you know what? If you do it at 10 o'clock a couple times in a row, I think you'll learn to make it a priority. So the rule is if you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And if you get to 10 o'clock, shame on you, but you still have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've done that where I'm like, oh, <laughs> Totally, like, forgot, didn't look at my calendar, forgot something, and, yeah, there I am at midnight doing what I said I was going to do. I knew it's not going to be forever, but I was like, okay, I committed to this, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. I look yeah. at my calendar probably five times a day, and yeah. what I do is I put in, um, I, put an, I set an alarm about 10 minutes before each appointment, because otherwise, I, I'm, like, brain dead. I'll think about it, I'll see it, I'll know that I've got it. And then I forget about it. I don't either, I totally just forget about it, or I forget about what time it really is. Right. And so then that's just as bad. And so I put everything, I make everything in my calendar, and then I set alarms every day for what I need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, works. that works for me. Yeah, that's great. I think people, you know, are, are going to figure out what works for them. But the important thing is what you're talking about is, is you know, um, making yourself our priority. And when we do, we can then set and maintain these healthy boundaries and relationships to others. And if we don't, we end up being very resentful and angry and yada, yada, yada. Conflict is created because we can't tell our truth. We're not really saying what's really going on with us and we're assuming everybody else can, you know, empathically feel into what we need and give it to us when we don't even give it to ourselves. Um, right. And then we can cause all sorts of problems. So Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> if you feel guilt, anger, overwhelm, if you feel any of those three things, there's more, but those are the three that are coming to mind, it's a clear sign that you're crossing your own boundaries. Mm. Guilt, anger, and overwhelm. You're crossing your own boundaries and you need to do some work on it. And it's wow. nobody's job but yours to set healthy boundaries. And healthy boundaries to me is a, is a script that starts with you. I feel X. I feel angry. I feel disappointed. I feel shame. I feel disrespected. When you 
talk over me in a Zoom meeting, when you leave the dishes in the dish in the sink, when you don't call me and you show up an hour late, would you be willing to do Z? You know, I feel X when you do Y. Would you be willing to do Z? That is a really good way to ask for what you need without making the other person wrong. Because you're right. not actually making the other person wrong. You're admitting that you're the one that's feeling this way. And this is what you need from them so that you don't have to feel this way. That's great. I love that. I do. Um, it's so funny because sometimes I'll say to my husband, would you be willing to? <laughs> right. he, he knows what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And he just kind of looks at me sideways and goes, just, just tell me what you want. <laughs> you know? I'm just so used to saying, would you be willing? You know, anyway. yeah. you know, you're in a script. Sometimes my son will say, Mom. Would you be willing? And I'm thinking, oh my God, he's using my own boundary script. That's on right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so Nancy, you know, uh, a lot of people they're just living on autopilot, you know, and I guess that's not so great to do. <laughs> um, we're not really addressing what's really going on, really telling our truth, setting healthy boundaries. So how do we get out of that autopilot conditioned? you know, behavior and, and live in the present moment, and why is that even important? Well, I mean, listen, we're, we all do things on autopilot, and it's not, I wouldn't be able to ski down a mountain or drive in a car sure. if I wasn't on autopilot. I'm talking more about emotional autopilot, mm. and emotional autopilot is when you're just going through the motions day after day after day. You're never seeing what, what's going on. You're not asking yourself, what do I want? What do I need? Am I as happy as I can be? Am I fulfilled? Those are the kinds of questions. Is this going to bring me, is this choice going to bring me towards my goal or is it going to keep me in the past? These are all questions to ask yourself. Those questions alone take you out of autopilot. You wake up in the morning and if you say to yourself, what's the most self-honoring thing I can do today? That wow. breaks you right out of autopilot. And then you can say, okay, hmm, I'm going to exercise from 9 to 10 this morning. That's the most self-honoring thing I can do. Or I'm going to call up and get that doctor's appointment I've been putting off. Or I'm going to do my taxes. Or I'm going to do any of the zillions of incompletes that I have in my brain that I need to finish so I don't have incompletes. These are all questions. They're mindful questions. Or if you spend too much time on social media or you spend too much time on, you know, on Netflix or Hulu or whatever it is, <laughs> set an alarm. You know, do the things that you know you're doing. If you eat mindlessly, then say, all right, I'm not going to eat anymore in the grocery store or I'm not going to eat in front of the TV or I'm not going to, I'm going to sit down with the plate and I'm not going to eat standing up. Start to do some of the things that bring you out of autopilot. There is nothing good about being on emotional autopilot. It's a way of not dealing. It's a way of not knowing. It's a way of not opening your heart, of not feeling your feelings. I mean, so if, if all of your listeners are empathetic or empaths and they feel their feelings, you know, maybe on some level they don't want to feel all their feelings. And that is true. Yeah, maybe on some that maybe those are different tools that they have to learn. I don't actually think it's about not being on autopilot. I think it's about 
not taking home other people's feelings. You know, when I first started coaching, I, at the end of each session, I would my head would hurt, you know, and or my heart would hurt, and I would I would um, light my uh, sage and you know do it my, all around the room and feel that, and I would you know it would take me out of that feeling. But that, so that was something that I did to sort of mark, all right, I'm leaving that behind me. That's their, that's their stuff. I'm going to help them, but it's their stuff. I can't keep wearing everybody's stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's where people like me come in, right? We teach, right. teach the empath strategies right. on, energetic and spiritual strategies on how to do that kind of thing. But I love yeah. what you shared about some of the scripts, you know, like not, not just the scripts to, uh, you know, how to, how to communicate what we need in a non-conflictual way. I think people should, you know, check the replay and rewind and write that out for yourself, you know, make it your own. But also um, that whole emotional autopilot and living the present moment to wake up and really ask yourselves these questions where it just snaps you out of that emotional autopilot. Yeah, you know? yeah. Is this, it's, it's is this propelling me forward or keeping me in the past? Is this something I'm doing for myself or is this something I'm doing to please another? Mm, you know, great question. Setting boundaries and saying no when you want to say no instead of saying yes and being so mad for saying yes. You know? <laughs> I've been there, done that. Oh, yeah. yeah oh. Right. Well, and then saying no is important. Mm-hmm. Yes, and people think no is a bad thing because people are like, oh, we say yes to life. And you know, every time I say no, I say yes. You know, they're not talking to, to us <laughs> in this context. And in fact, Nancy, in my book, Sensitivity is Superpower, I have a, a separate chapter called The Nirvana of No. <laughs> so we actually give oh, some scripts great. on how to say no nicely. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, definitely look it up. Is it on Audible also? Uh, no, no, that's, I know what goes into doing it that way, so no, not at this time, uh, but I think you have a, a link um, in the, the document we sent you uh, where you can download a copy of the book for, for oh, yourself. Oh, great. Like, <laughs> yeah. I on Audible, and that was a bigger, better, braver moment. It was a big deal mm. to learn how to feel comfortable enough to read it and, you know, I mean, there's, there's an art to it. I, I took voice lessons just to be able to read my book. You know? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, let's see. A friend of mine who's a publisher had, had done it for a, a book, and, and he said the tech alone, uh, the very, the pickiness, and, you know, it yeah, was just really quite challenging to navigate. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that yet. <laughs> but if thanks for asking. A good person, I have a great person. If you're interested, I can offline, I can tell you who it is. But oh, she yeah. did all of that, and she would – you know, she would catch on if I was saying something different or anything like that. Nice. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I actually, my, my publisher friend would probably want that connection as well. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have that later. So, Nancy, uh, where can folks find you, your website and et cetera? So, my website is nancypicardlifecoach.com, um, N-A-N-C-Y. P-I-C-K-A-R-D, lifecoach.com. And I have, you know, I do a free discovery call. I have a free chapter to my book. I have a quiz on um, leaky boundaries. Mm. I have all kinds of free giveaways on there. I have a 20% gift um, coupon for my online course that 
Um, I think you should have also in your show notes, and um, if not, let me know, and I can send that to you. And I'm on Nancy Picard Life Coaches on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Clubhouse. I don't really use Twitter, but I'm on it. YouTube. So on my website will be your podcast when I get it and everyone's podcast. So there's in all my different, not all of them actually, but a lot of my different coaching certifications are on my website. You can look at it. And if you're interested in um, working with me, then, you know, email me for a free call and see if it's something that resonates with both of us because it, it, it's a team effort. Oh, that's great. Now, um, where exactly on your website is the little self-evaluation self, uh, or quiz? Oh, you know, um, I'm not on it, so I don't really know, but there's different links all over the place for the giveaways and um, the Leaky Boundary Quiz should be on there, but it also should be in the notes that I sent you. So again, if you don't have it, let me know. I'll send you my, I'll, I'll send you those again, or I'll just send them again when we hang up. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, we'll add that to okay. our, um, yeah, yeah, to to the show page, etc. Yeah. Fantastic, um, Nancy. Any last words before we say goodbye to our audience? Um, no, just I guess the last thing I want to say is. You know, the last person in a race still beats the person on the couch. So mm. just get up mm-hmm. and do it. Don't wow. stand in your way. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you, Nancy, so much for being on Light Warrior Radio today. Bless you, and thanks for all that you do and gift to others. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, lots of love and bye for now.